Welcome to the Food, Family and Friends podcast, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. Now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Hey, welcome to Food, Family and Friends. Here I am, Vanessa Baxter, girl who's completely all about nourishing relationships through food. Yeah, you'd know by now that I'm pretty passionate about food and how it brings people together. And today's guests are all about that as well. And I'm really thrilled to uh, introduce you to Michael Meredith and to Lisa from Eat My Lunch. Now, Eat My Lunch is a fantastic uh, operation and I'll let them share all about their mission and how the whole program works. But I also want to give you the heads up that Michael Meredith is New Zealand's top chef and his restaurant has been named the top restaurant for 2016. So whilst he is here to talk about uh, his other cause and his part that he plays there, um, I'm really excited to have him in the studio. He's someone I have admired for an awfully long time and uh, actually get here to be able to sit and chat and understand him a little bit, get to know him as a person is a really, really cool moment. Um, Lisa as well, what a fantastic girl and what a fantastic project and business they have decided to start uh, and work on together. So it's going to be a really, really interesting, meaty, bitey kind of episode. So come along for the ride and join me today on Food, Family and Friends as we chat with Michael and Lisa. I'll take what's good, Hey, I am here with Michael Meredith, which is very cool, and I'm quite nervous, and I'm all kind of shy about it, and he's telling me that he's just a regular person, so we're going to try to pretend that he is. And we're also here uh, with Lisa, who's the founder of Eat My Lunch. So we've got lots to talk about, so I'm not quite sure how we're going to fit it all into our brief podcast today, so we may have to have you back a bit later in the year as well to talk about where your venture's heading. But for now, welcome, and it's so exciting to have you in my studio. Thank you. And uh, I am thrilled to bits because I've just spent half an hour at Eat My Lunch helping uh, you and your team pack some lunches, which was really exciting because that's the best way really of understanding what it is that you're doing at Eat My Lunch Mm. is to come in, be hands-on and actually talk with the others who are also sharing their passion for food and sharing it with others. So, Lisa, because it was your concept and you kind of came up with with the idea of Eat My Lunch, would you like to just share with our listeners what it's all about? Yeah, so Eat My Lunch started about 11 months ago um, and we really wanted to, I guess, solve a big social issue in New Zealand around kids going to school hungry and without lunch um, and we wanted to do this through a clever business solution. So Eat My Lunch is an online lunch delivery service. People sign up online to have their lunches delivered to them on a subscription basis and for every lunch they buy, we give a lunch to a Kiwi kid who would otherwise go hungry. Um, to date... We have made around 280,000 lunches. So we've just given our 150,000th lunch to a kid. Um, 
and 32 low decile schools in Auckland and Hamilton. That is so amazing. If it was appropriate on a podcast to cheer, I'd cheer for you. <laughs> no, that is so amazing. And the guys this morning were telling me as I was packing with them that we did 2,000 lunches out the door today. Yeah, yeah. every day we make around 2,000 lunches, half of which are going to kids, half are going to um, our great supporters and customers who buy the lunches. Mm, that's fantastic. In fact, I see the cars often driving around um, delivering and I also happened to be at NZME the other day for a media uh, interview that I was doing and saw a whole heap of eat my lunch boxes sitting there yeah ready to go out so it's definitely out and about in the community and people are supporting you so that's fantastic so Michael from your perspective you know if if a Kiwi is listening to this they're going to say my gosh Michael Meredith I know who he is Uh, For some people who are overseas, maybe not, Um, and you're hailed as a hero in this country for your amazing restaurant and for your story that you've shared many times with the media, which is, you know, you didn't have the easiest uh, childhood, but your mum, you know, was amazing and did her best uh, in helping you, to steering you through teenage and adulthood and getting you where you are. But you kind of went off the rails there for a little while and weren't sure of your own direction and then found it in food. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, those things, I guess, you know, your upbringing is the way you are. I mean, you, I was born in Samoa, so I came here probably in the, you know, early, early teens and it was a different, up, you know, upbringing here and it was a different sort of reality check and, you know, my mum did the best she could mm-hmm. for us, me and my brother, but, you know, school wasn't really my strong fold, it was it's one of those things that you, you went to school, but, you know, Why? English was my second language when I first came here. So, you know, you have to adjust to a few things like that. But, you know, um, I think later on I enjoyed art at school. And then when I left school, that's where food sort of became the focus for me because, you know, there were things that, you know, you hang out with your friends and different things happened. But, you know, fortunately enough, I, I, I found that passion with food. It was not until later you actually have passion for food. I think in the beginning you're... It's something that you love to do and you're sort of, you know, there is things about cooking that attracts you to it. But I think it's still later on that you're actually passionately about it, you know. And I think now, you know, having my own restaurant, I guess, you know, the vision is always to, to do my own thing and it's happened. And, and I think all these things are coming now, like my lunch and, you know, I love to be involved in it because mm. I think food – it's a transport for most people and I think it's a social gathering for people and it's a good point, you know. I mean, people can eat all the time and I guess, you know, what we do is, you know, you're selling a lunch, you know, as simple as that, but also you're feeding a, a child that is in need with a lunch. So I think, you know, it's just with all the social elements of it and what we do, I think we sort of give back and it's easier to give back in food. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I've got a couple of taglines for what I do as well, and one of them is kitchens without boundaries because I I believe there should be no boundaries Mm. in food and in culture and sharing food, and the other is nourishing relationships through food. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's so important because we do all have to eat. And we do, and I, for me, it's a way of bringing people together. It doesn't matter who you've got in the room. Everyone's mm. going to eat and maybe uh, you share food uh, and you don't necessarily share a language or in your case, you know, you're sharing food with kids who may not get lunch. You know, my kids are, are lucky enough that they're always going to get three meals on the table. You know, how special for them. Yeah. But there are families that don't. How do you get those kids to understand, more my kids to understand 
this, the, the other side and it's through food. It's explaining, you know, mm. there are kids who go without food. So, you know, be appreciative of your food and feel uh, genuinely privileged to have the food. But on the other hand, also maybe one day you'll be able to sit down and share that, your food yeah. with other people who, yeah, who are different. And yeah. I think it's, it's a way of bringing people together, isn't it? A gorgeous way. It is. Yeah. yeah, and I think the kids that we give the lunches to, I mean, we feed over 1,200 kids a day. Amazing. And obviously we don't see all of them. No. But um, for them to know that complete strangers come together every morning to make them a lunch um, has so much more meaning as well, that no matter what's going on at home or the reasons why they can't afford food, there's someone who actually cares about them. And I think, um, you know, through the simple lunch, they get that support how do you find families or children that don't get lunch? Like for me, that's just, you know, I've, I've been so privileged, I guess. Mm-hmm. I always had lunch. My kids always have food. How do you find areas where there are kids that you just know aren't getting lunch? Is it teachers and schools that can share that information, that kids are coming without food? Yeah, I think um, as, you know... In average, New Zealander, it's really hard for us to understand that mm. there are thousands of kids going without lunch every day. Um, and the reasons are varied. So it might be that, you know, you come from a very large family. A lot of these kids are in families of, you know, tens. <laughs> um, and the parents just run out of money before payday. Or, um, you know, they're in some situations where the parents aren't capable of providing food. Or they might get an orange for the whole right. day or a bag of lollies and that's their food which doesn't help with their learning no. or anything not at all I mean that's the biggest I mean that's the biggest thing I guess you know if you can't if you don't eat if you just put yourself in that situation if you can't eat you can't learn you know and as, as a child that is pretty difficult and it makes it hard for teachers as well but I think the thing is we're not judging why these things happen to these kids it's just it's you just know, the way it is. It's just the way it is, yeah. you know, and yeah. social environment of all these families are brought together. Mm. But, I mean, I think the teachers sort of tell us and they see the kids in the classroom that need, for, you know, the lunches and then that's what we work off. Have, yeah, responded to. I think yeah. that's so fantastic. A lot of the teachers at these schools, before Eat My Lunch came along, they were actually providing, providing. the kids mm. themselves, you know, out of their own pocket or giving them sharing their lunches with the kids um, or giving up their lunch times to make food for the kids. So um, Eat My Lunch has been able to actually also give the teachers some of their time. A bit of a break. break. Yeah, Yeah, a bit of a break as well. I think, I mean, the other thing I sort of thought the other day, I think what we're doing is sort of raising an awareness as well for parents. Absolutely. Because, I mean, there are some schools, they're probably taking less because the parents are probably start making lunches at home, which is, I think is a positive thing because it makes people think, well, you know, we, we can't just make lunch for our kids. And then I think there's the big, the biggest thing is the social element of the awareness that's built around eat my lunch. Cause, cause people want to help, you know, I think the simplest thing they can do is buy a lunch and give a lunch. So I think people are very aware of it and that's what, you know, I think it's a, a quite a positive outspin of what we do as well. I think it's amazing, Michael. I'm just sitting here looking at you and listening to you and thinking, you know, you have just been pretty much named as, you know, New Zealand's top chef for this year and your restaurant, uh, the top restaurant. And my gosh, I can't wait to come and eat at your restaurant. (laughs) I'm going to have to come on a Tuesday so that I can give a little and then come on another day and pay you properly. But, um, you know, what is it? For you, there are so many people that would be a you in their countries who have just been called, you know, their top chef of that country. And they're certainly not, 
getting up at five o'clock in the morning to do some charity work before they then go and prep alongside their other chefs to create this extraordinary food that people are saying is the best in the country and are prepared to pay for, you know, on a Saturday night. So what is it for you that has said, yes, you know, I'm going to be involved in this and be part of it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, the biggest thing, you know, I think for me, the restaurant is what it is. You know, we've been there coming up to 10 years. And obviously when Lisa and, and I approached me with the idea, I, I immediately felt connected connected to it. Because I think, um, like I said, you know, there's a massive social awareness that is built around these things. And I think for me, there is some part of that that resonates with myself. So I think to be involved, it was, was a simple yes. And, you know, there is no, um, there's, I mean, if I commit to something, I'm always going to be committed. You know, it's not like I say yes and I pull out. Yeah, no, and what I like is I saw you this morning. I mean, yeah. you're hands-on. You're not just an, yeah, a, a picture ambassador. You are in there actually physically working, which yeah, is inspiring. Because, I mean, it's, it's part of, you know, you relate to people easily and people yep. relate to you easily. And that's why, you know, I guess, you know, people assume what you are, but, you know, you're just down to earth, you know. And I think you have to be. I mean, these things, you, you, can't, you can't bring your cooking ego into... And that, you know something like this because it's sort of you know you're, it's all about giving to me and that's it's quite important so when in all of this do you eat Michael because I'm thinking you're <laughs> at eat my lunch all morning cooking or kind of creating and packing yeah. lunches for others and then you're going I know what's going to happen is you've squeezed this interview in which thank you so much and then you're going to race to your restaurant and get prepping with the chefs there would that be right yeah, I mean, I've got a pretty good team at work. I mean, okay. we sort of, um, since we started Eat My Lunch, I have to sort of, you know, or, uh, actually hire an extra person just to make sure that things are covered. And I'm pretty lucky that like, i got a good team at work. Um, but there is a, a great place down in Kingsland, um, <laughs> Little Bird. Yep. I mean, they do a lot of sort of smoothies and cold Quick food juices, that's yeah. good. So because you, you eat on the run, I mean, you have to. It's just uh, a typical chef. Yeah, you can't. I mean, if you think you cook at home, but you're just like, they're surprised when you say, no, I don't really no. cook at home. Well, I was talking to your staff at Eat My Lunch this morning, and you've got such a varied cultural mix there as well. And uh, there was someone from England, and we were laughing because we were sharing. Someone mentioned a Cornish pasty. And you were mentioning about those chips. And the chip buddies, <laughs> yeah. And so we started with the Cornish pasty, and then a Kiwi guy said, no, I don't like them. And then... The English lady said, oh, my gosh, I grew up on them. And then there was a girl there that had never heard of them. So then we described the Cornish pasty. And then that reminded me that I worked at a health resort in England for a while. And I watched all the chefs cook this extraordinarily healthy food at Champneys for, you know, Princess Diana and Kylie Minogue and the rest of the names that used to come to Champneys to get fit for a week and healthy and then after and work, they'd eat chip buddies. Yeah. <laughs> I think, it's, I mean, it's, if you see that in the kitchens, it's just a... I think sometimes because, you know, chefs are lack of sleep, lack of mm. everything. And, you know, it's almost like you either get energy of sugar or energy or of carbs. Or carbs. Mm. So it's sort of, and it's easy. It's an easy fix. Like you, you create all the time, but then you don't really want to cook for yourself. I know. And like, you know, you go home, the last thing you want to do is like, I'm going to cook myself a, a perfect steak, a nice mm. sauce. It doesn't happen. I mean, no. that's why I think it's so good now. There's a lot of good restaurants, so a lot of good takeout places. So you can just go and get a quick meal. For a Michael Meredith who's exhausted. <laughs> I love it. Michael, um, out of interest, 
because I know some sh- uh, some restaurants or, or you read, I read, I guess, that some restaurants sit their staff down and yes. sort of have meal, a yeah. staff meal before service. Do you do that at Marinus? Uh, well, they, have, they have a staff meal. Oh, they, they do? Yeah. yeah. They normally sit down and, you know, if they have time, they will. The reality is if you, if you don't have time, you can't. I mean, the customers come first, yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's a bit of there's a bit of pressure with time when it cl- gets close to that time of service. So, I guess you know that's why I form a really bad habit of eating pretty quick because you you know when you when you start it, you know you eat on your feet all the time, mm. so you don't really you don't really sit down and sort of eat slowly and and enjoy it. Yeah, there is time pressure on it. So, mm. yeah. And Lisa, your background was in marketing. And uh, you worked some, for some pretty big kind of food supplier almost uh, companies, mm. I know, and then sort of came out the other side of that and thought, what have I been doing and what can I do that's different um, with my husband? Uh, can you share a little bit about your journey for actually, I know that you started it and it was, it was but where, where did you come from before? Why food? So I've, um, yeah, I was in marketing on some really big um, brands like, Cadbury chocolate, you know, bluebird chips. Um, and so my whole career was about marketing food, but it was the wrong kinds of food. Mm. Um, and I think Ian and I were just sitting down one night reflecting on our corporate lives and realising you know, we'd been selling salt, fat and sugar to New Zealand public and making everyone fat and contributing to the, our obesity crisis. Um, and ironically, we have young children and I don't give them any of the foods that mm. I was marketing. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best brand ambassador no. them. <laughs> I was the worst mum to have working at Cadbury because I never bought chocolate home. But, um, and I think we just got to a point where we're a bit disillusioned with the corporate world and actually wanted to do something meaningful um, and something that had a positive impact on people's lives. And so this idea of kind of eat my lunch came together over a few glasses of wine um, and um, as, as the best as ideas the always do <laughs> and I've always loved food like um, I actually met Michael about nine years ago yeah, yeah when I was working um, on a food brand and Michael was the ambassador chef on it oh what were you the we ambassador chef no please <laughs> share what you were the ambassador chef for nine years ago we did uh, was it seriously it was good high mayonnaise and seriously good mayonnaise, mayonnaise. so <gasps> I launched yeah. this product and um and I had just come back from the UK been to Meredith absolutely loved, loved it. it and um asked Michael if he would come and endorse this um new mayo <laughs> we actually use it right now <laughs> then, Do you? yeah we use it now <laughs> Oh, you use it at Eat My Lunch, not yeah. at Meredith's. No, no. <laughs> I was just going to say, surely you make yeah. your own mayo yeah. at Meredith's. Now we do <laughs> Completely disillusioned there for a split second. Okay, yeah. so you use the mayo at Eat My Lunch. That's yes. cool. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I mean, I had always been, you know, really interested in food and loved cooking. And if I didn't have this corporate marketing career, my other career would for no money would have been a chef working at some kind of NGO so oh, yeah. kind of eat my lunch combines all of these passions because mm. Lisa's background was like family had a, a restaurant as well so I think that's where oh your family had a restaurant yeah when uh, my parents came yeah. to New Zealand they opened a Chinese restaurant and I remember working there you know when I was eight or nine <laughs> um, <laughs> as, <laughs> helping, you as, as you do as you do yeah. yeah helping make desserts and things so um, yeah food's always been a really big part of my life um, and you know you talk about being in, 
um, nervous about interviewing Michael. Well, when Michael first started eating my lunch, he came to our house and... Oh, gosh, you had to cook for him? I had to make oh up all these recipes. It was probably like the most nerve-wracking day. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The thought of having a chef to dinner is just so stressful, isn't it? And yeah. yet you probably think... Oh, thank you goodness just want someone's simple. cooking yeah, for me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the whole, that's the whole thing. People, you know, they get nervous about inviting you to dinner, but you just want home-cooked food. I like know. Simple home-cooked like food. Like a nice roast chicken yeah, and good know, veggies or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> and Lisa's got a pretty good palate, i got to say. You know, it was pretty... It's pretty tasty. always something that... I mean, Lisa, we, we always double-check things that we, we tried, and, you know, she always picks up things that need to be picked up. So it's good. I mean, she's got a good palate, and... That's why we get along really well on the food side. <laughs> well, there you go, Lisa. You must there be feeling quite chuffed. <laughs> so, Lisa, if you did you come here as a baby or did you come here as a young child? Um, I came here when I was two. So I was okay. born in Hong Kong and then my parents came here, um, had their Chinese restaurant. Um, but my sisters and I grew up here. I mean, I feel like a Kiwi. Yeah, you sound mm. like a Kiwi, yeah. so I figured you probably are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so if you were having, are your parents still around? Uh, no, my mum, it's just my mum now and she's gone back to Taiwan. Oh, has yeah. she? Okay. Would they tend to, if, when they were here and you were growing up, would you tend to eat Chinese at home as well? Was it, it was Asian food a only? very traditional mm. Chinese family. It was rice three times a day. <laughs> so for you going to school, did you used to take the little thing of rice to school, like Asian yeah, and, style? Yeah, you know, we, we used to have seaweed snacks, yeah. which I think is funny that's coming into vogue and trend I now. I know. Um, <laughs> and um, I was saying to Michael, so like, I laugh when you know people try and sell bone broth as this new big thing because that's something that my parents had cooked, yeah, yeah. you know, since we were babies. That's exactly. kind of what they feed babies in Asia. Um, so, no, we had all of that, but I think it was hard when we first came to New Zealand. You know, people weren't really exposed to a lot of different foods, particularly Asian food and things like seaweed. And mm. um, and we kind of stopped taking that to school. After yeah, because, because you felt <laughs> like you were... Yeah. <laughs> because my kids were, funnily enough, the same because we came in from Asia. They, you know, grew up in Asia, uh, although I'm Australian. They've never lived in Australia. So this is the first Western country that my kids have ever lived in. Mm. And when they first went to school here, they actually couldn't get over the basic, you know, Aussie slash Kiwi lunchbox. They just were just like... You know, oh my gosh, do we just have to eat a sandwich and fruit? Because yeah. they were used to much more Asian influenced lunchbox because that was what it was available. They always had seaweed in their lunchbox. They loved seaweed yeah. snacks, you know. Uh, and they were used to having rice at lunch as well mm. because it was always cooked at the school mm. and it was always a stir fry and rice, which is so healthy. It was such a good thing for them to have in the middle of the day. And in fact, it was early. So they started school at 7 30, finished at 2 30, and lunch was at 11, which was brilliant because you gave them a really good breakfast and then you knew they were getting stir fry and rice for lunch and then but they'd be home and you could give them another really good healthy snack at three Mm. whereas here they've got such long days and uh you know they're really not getting the same nutrient snacks because i think it's the lifestyles now i mean it's the lifestyles of of parents both parents will be working it makes things a lot a lot tougher you know i think that's why you know, things have changed, life has changed, and I guess like, we just have to adapt a little bit, mm. you know, and I think, you know, parents got to be accountable, but at the same time, some can't, you know, it's just circumstances, both work and work late, and then, you know, you get pretty tired, so, you know, you end up buying convenient food, 
which is probably not good for the kids, you know, but it's what they can afford or what they can do at the time. So Yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard, isn't it? Because when you do know, which you know, Lisa, obviously you do, Michael, and I do as well, you know, and you read the back of the packet of some convenience food, but you also in your mind know, when I get home tonight, I literally do not have time to be baking mm. from scratch, making things from scratch. I need to have something for the lunchbox tomorrow. Yeah. It is, it's really hard. Or for dinner. Mm. You know, mm. not all the time can everyone literally cook completely no. from scratch with, you know, 18, 20 ingredients on a bench yeah. and with a happy face on yeah. um, and kids screaming for homework. And yeah, yeah. It's time, so you know, it's reality. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one thing we really try to do with Eat My Lunch too. You know, the lunches that we give to the kids, um, it's full of vegetables and um, protein. And their foods, we're exposing them to foods that they've never had. And so in variety, you'd see from the lunches today, you know, that menu changes every day as well. Mm, So we're really trying to inject freshness and variety and, you know, us doing the making everything from scratch. Um, as much as we can into a little lunchbox. Um, but I mean, literally, we, we make it like straight from scratch sometimes. Yeah. Which is, it's all part of it. Yeah. Um, but that's good for them to see as well. I mean, I had a my son had a friend over the other day, and it was really quite sad because my kids loved it. I'd made a quiche for lunch. Yeah. Uh, and I'd just thrown in every vegetable that we have in the vegetable box, and my boys are just pretty much just eat anything. So I guess I'm lucky. And this little boy spotted something in there that he didn't recognize and said, what's that? And I said, it's zucchini, but you might know it as courgette. And he just did not know it and would not eat it. Mm. And Mm. it's like, wow, how can you not know what a zucchini slash courgette is? (laughs) And again, no judgment, but just a different family and probably different food. And he, he said, I can't eat it. It's too flash. Yeah. It was too flash for him. You know, if I, if it had just been a cheese and bacon quiche, he probably would have loved it, but it was too flash, too many colors and too much stuff Mm. going on. And, Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, that's another missing part of of, of of early childhood is like raw ingredients, because everything is sort of comes, you know, if you if you go to the supermarket and what these kids eat, you know, they don't see a raw zucchini or a raw, you know, they hardly see a raw carrot or even tomatoes. I mean, very simple things, but these things they don't really associate with. And I think the other part of that is education. You know, that you know, it's a big thing to either get everything into one box and try to fix it all but, but you know the other thing too is education and I think we're trying to start a like a cooking for the, most of the school kids that they can come to eat my lunch and we, we give them some real simple recipes which is going to be quite a I mean I'm looking forward to that because it sort of it gives them something else you know the things they can go home and not too foreign for them you know when they see vegetables they can associate with that mm. It's empowering because I do the kids' classes as well um, and it it is really empowering for them to take Mm -hmm. the raw thing, learn how to cut it. I mean, I was doing tomatoes with kids the other day and they were so excited Mm. to cut it in half, to take the core out and then I taught them how to to break through the, the holding core on the inside so that they could de-seed it. Yeah. And they're like, why would we de-seed it? I said, because we're going to put it in here and if you add all the seeds as well, it would be too watery because yeah. we're going to cook with it. But, of course, if you eat it and slice it, of course you can eat yeah, the seeds. Yeah. But And they were just so excited. They're like, I don't think mum knows how to de-seed a tomato. I'm like, that is so cool. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah, it puts a smile on my face because exactly. then you know – they will go and buy a raw tomato because they're going to show mum or dad mm. that they mm. know how to cut it, yeah. de-seed they it. They learn something yeah, new. Yeah, it's so yeah. cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's heartwarming. Yeah. So good on you. I think it's fantastic. It's awesome. 
So uh, if we can skip just a little bit away from Eat My Lunch for one second to talk about your amazing restaurant, sure. what is the vision about for, for Meredith's? What is it that you, you know, what have you created there that is um, award-winning? <laughs> Sorry, I know you're very humble and, you know, you just, oh, well, that's just Meredith's and that's just my restaurant. But everybody else in New Zealand's like, whoa, imagine if we got to eat at Meredith's. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean... You know, one thing I've learned is expectations is is a bit lit, is a big letdown for people, <laughs> and I'm not just saying no. that. I'm not, no, 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 no. All I'm saying is like you know, Mira, we've been here, you know, coming up to ten years. It's been a journey. You know, it's, it didn't happen overnight. It happened. You know, obviously the biggest thing that I focus on is creativity because that um, I think that for us, for me, I need to create all the time. Otherwise, it's just. You know, you yes. become stale. stale or you, you know, and to be inspired, that's, that's the energy that burns me for, for creating. Because if I'm not doing that, then I'm not really enjoying what I do. The biggest thing, I guess, I got to enjoy what I do. And that's why we keep cooking. And I think throughout, the, you know, throughout the 10 years we've opened, marriages have changed. You know, we've sort of, um, we were doing a la carte and now we just do degustations only. And, you know, 80%, 90% of the menu is, is, you know, focused on New Zealand and seasonal as much as possible. But, you know, we, we take people on a journey, and I think that's an important thing. Um, people can come and sort of, you know, you're not going to please everyone, and there's dishes in there that will challenge people, but that's the journey that, you know, you... I think the public now... New Zealand public, there's a lot of TV, there's a lot of cooking shows, so people are quite aware, and people know, you know, but... There are still things, and when you go out, you want to make sure that you're surprised. You mm. know, yeah, there is an element of surprise, and you want to be, you want to feel like, you know, how do they do this, or how do they cook this? Because, you know, people can cook nowadays. Yeah, and, you that's know, they true. They watch TV, and you know, all they do something. And I mean, and for us, I think we, we've sort of, we've stayed where we stayed, and we sort of had some high times, some low times, but, you know, you got to keep, doing what you do and I guess with that time it's created a reputation and obviously a lot of things I'm involved with and it sort of created the energy for Meredith's it's almost like a brand but it just it's for me it's just the, where we create what we're going to do with the food the service and I mean it's just we're a small seater restaurant and I guess you know it would become very uh, special occasions <laughs> I think there's a mm. a milestone in New Zealand restaurants where you get to a point where people just put you on that you know that stool like you're you're a special occasion restaurant yeah. but you know I mean we're, we're still um, I mean there's I don't know I just don't know how to explain it sometimes but you know it's it's what it is so and do you and your chefs create together do you you know do they come up with ideas and you come up with ideas and you try it out or is it pretty much your creativity and then being Executed by others. Uh, we, we've started a, a concept on Tuesday where we do STEM nights, which is a done by donation concept. So that gives them the ideas of creating four. You know, so we do four dishes, and it's you know they create a dish each. So that gives them the creative process. They can do whatever they want. Feel a bit empowered and yeah, able I mean, to shine. I mean, there is a bit of that, and there's a bit of a pressure, and you know, because we always do a tasting before, and I always readjust it because obviously. You know, chefs create sometimes, but they create with their heads. They're not really creating with with taste. And so when I, and some of them push technique more than flavor. So, you know, it has to be a, a bit of a balance when it comes to the menu. So that's where my sort of 
advice comes in or my opinion Scale. comes in, <laughs> you sort of, you know, you sit down and you try the meat because, you know, you can think of all the amazing things, but if it doesn't taste well, it doesn't eat well, it's not going to give the customer a good memory. So, mm. you know, a lot of that comes with time and most of the shifts, you know, you have to sort of just be patient with things like that. But, you know, they got that time to create a dish and but the menu is is pretty much mine it's sort of you know it has to be my sort of concepts that goes mm. in the menu because i mean we do the biggest we do nine courses so that concept we has to you know from the beginning to the end it's, it's, it's it is a, a journey it's yeah a lot. it's a lot but you know and also at the same time you got to make sure that it, it balances out right through the menu you know and i think you know you got to make sure that you deliver the journey and it doesn't get boring or you know because sometimes you get dishes and you just like you get to the middle and you're like oh i'm a bit over this but you know you try to engage with customers and see how they react you know and, and portioning is quite a mm, so a, that they're not ex- exhausted by the time they get to yeah course i eight. mean yeah you don't want you want people to, to get to course eight or nine and they feel full and sick I think New Zealanders have come a long way by that way. Mm. It's sort of you know, people used to eat just to get full and drink just to get drunk, but now they're more about education and sort of mm. savoring yeah, the dishes. So, you know, it's it's the same sort of journey for us over the years. We've sort of adjusted how we built the menu and and using different ingredients and you know making sauces lighter and all so forth. So, yeah. and where do you gain your inspiration? See, I can talk for hours to <laughs> you too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're busy all day long. But yeah. what do you do to sort of gain more inspiration for well, your... I mean, for me, like, it's it's more the, the, the ingredients. And then what comes into season uh, is I put the ingredients first and then I, get, I create around that. Because it's sort of, you know... You've been cooking a long time. You know techniques, you know things, flavours that go well. But okay. The inspiration really comes what comes into season because it gives you that new inspiring idea. Okay, I can use it with this and that. So really, for me, it, like tamarillos are in, quinces are in. So our menu is fully just packed with just sort of that sort of winter vegetables coming mm. in. You got chestnuts, you got juice of the artichokes. So it's quite exciting because you look at it and then you try to put everything in. Into the, the nine menu, courses. Into the nine courses. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, you don't want to repeat it, you know, because sometimes you, you get nights you just get vegans or vegetarians and people don't eat this and that. So that really sort of makes you limiting, especially when you're going to do nine courses. You uh, do you cater to that? We cater to that, yeah. Do they have to tell you in advance? Yeah, if they tell us. They, yeah. they tell us. And it's kind of good, you know, it sort of that keeps pushes us, your uh, boundaries a little yeah, bit. I mean, yeah. definitely, um, you know, I've sort of, it's sort of opened up that world for me sort of understanding mm. you know there's certain people that come into your lives that teach you things and and uh, yeah so a bit yeah. of lifelong learning yeah you mm. know because you know cooking is it's not just what we learn when you go to school because you you know learn classics and, and French techniques but then you know food every culture's got their own food so you learn that way as well and mm. you know we're really lucky because we have a, such an, a very open um, food culture yeah you know so you can build on anything and use any flavor from any any country and sort of make it a, a kiwi spin on it. So, And what about at Eat My Lunch? Do you also cater for uh, customers who are coming in and saying that they're, they've got special dietary requests? For the ones who are purchasing, I'm, I'm talking about. Yeah, so we have um, Joe and our team. He's the specials. 
Oh, he's a special yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> is that because he is special? <laughs> but no, we do. Um, I mean, initially we we're like, we're not going to cater for anyone's dietary requirements. But um, as we kind of grew, there were more and more requests for vegetarians, gluten-free, vegans, you know, dairy-free. Paleo. Paleo. I mean, we Sugar-free. I had an egatarian the other day. An which, egatarian. Which I had to go and Google. And what is an egatarian? Apparently it's a vegan that eats eggs. So um, we, had a, we had a vegan once that eats sea, like fish once. It was insane. Vegan, but I eat fish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm all about just balance with no boundaries. So I, I, I find it hard, this niching yeah. thing myself. But, you know, that I guess everyone's different. But, yeah, I do find it a little bit confronting mm. to be so niche about mm. it. And can I just say, Vanessa, yes. before we came yes. back um, from the UK, my um, partner and I ate at a lot of Michelin star restaurants. And like the last restaurant we went to was the Fat Duck. Um, oh, lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we came back and tried all of the best restaurants in Auckland and um, Meredith's by far mm. was my favourite because you went there and you just look at the dishes and you're like, how the hell? Did he create this? And what is it? And, um, you know, there was always an element of surprise. Whereas you can go to a lot of fancy restaurants, pay a lot of money for a really good steak. I agree. And I think you nailed it as well, uh, Michael, when you said, you know, there is so much more uh, knowledge around food, more cookbooks, uh, more TV shows. And so people do and maybe are experimenting a lot more at home with their home cooking than they used to. So to go to a cafe and spend 18 to $20 on something that you know perfectly well you could cook perhaps mm. better at home is quite frustrating. So if I'm going out for dinner, yeah, I want it to be an experience. I want to have a plate in front of me that I say, gosh, thank goodness, because I don't want to commit to have to making this for myself. Mm. This was an experience to come here. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're offering people. So... That's yeah, cool. I mean, it is. It's, it's, I mean, like a, it's a new dessert we got at the moment. It's it's got a, a really good story to it with iron. <laughs> we we got um, because there's quinces and apples, and uh, we do a caramelized onion ice cream with the dessert. And so it's sort of it's a bit of a, a twist on certain things, and you know, some people don't like it because it's just onion sounds so strange to be on a, des- mm, on a, a dessert. dessert. But I mean, it's it's uh, it's just if you eat it together, it works, mm. but. You know, caramelized onion, is, there's a lot of sugar that naturally yeah, comes out of, of it. Yeah, of course there is. It's beautiful. And I mean, that's why everyone loves French onion soup. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of, you know, things like that. So it's just always, a, there's a little bit of element of surprise and things, mm. but it's just more of just trusting that, you know, if you don't like it. That's okay, like but it. try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But try it. But, yeah. you know, but that's the kind of, you know, that's just the way restaurants work, you know. People don't mm. like it, people like it people mm. come back people don't come back yeah absolutely well i think they'll be coming to meredith for a while so um obviously we're going to finish up although we could talk for hours but it's just been so awesome to talk to you both and it's like i really appreciate your time because i know you're both super busy with what you're trying to do so to finish off just for fun we've got a bit of a quick fire <laughs> question so you can both answer why not um so yeah just call out the answer you don't think too much about it but here we go Crepe or pancake? Pancake. Crepe. <laughs> Poached egg or fried egg? Fried. Poached. <laughs> when I say Depends. you can both call Depends. it out. <laughs> 
Gosh, lucky these two aren't married. Right, still or sparkling water? Sparkling. (laughs) (laughs) And I repeat. (laughs) Surf or turf? Surf. Oh, there we go. Snap. Wine or beer? Wine. Hot dog or hamburger? Hot dog. Hamburger. (laughs) A pestle and mortar or a food processor? Food processor. Same. Oh, even with the Asian background, you've gone for the quick fix. Roast chicken or roast lamb? Chicken. Both. Both. (laughs) Can't choose. A chilli or a curry? Chilli. Curry. Moussaka or lasagna? Moussaka. Lasagna. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I like a moussaka too, but not if I'm making it because it's quite time consuming. The lasagna is easier. Hey, thank you guys. Just um, to finish up, have you got a favourite cookbook that you could share with us? Is there something that you, like a kind of go-to book or? Um, I mean, for me, because I mean, obviously I I collect a lot of cookbooks, Mm. obviously. Um, I mean, I really love uh, Ben Shiri's book, The Origins, because I think, you know, Ben is such an amazing chef and I always, you know, looked up to him and sort of, you know, the food he does and it's very original, his, his ideas and I think that's why I quite admire his his energy with food because, you know, it's the food that he was creating. I think he put New Zealand on the map with that hungry dish with the potato. And I always, I remember trying that dish at Attica and I really thought this dish is just, you know, it, you taste it, you know it comes from New Zealand. But it was just the way he created it. And, you know, he put every element of, of how a hungry would taste on that dish. And I will never forget that. So. Mm. I mean, I love his I love his book because it's got a lot of stories about his upbringing and and his life. So, yeah, but so it's origins. yeah origins. Yeah, cool. How about you, Lisa? Oh, um, it's hard, isn't it? It was really hard, but I tend to use my baking cookbooks a lot more. Oh, do so, you? Do yeah, you love to bake at yeah. home? So, um, the one that I've found every recipe works really well is Ladies of Plate. By Alexander Johnston. I have not heard of that one. Sorry, it's Ladies. It's called Ladies A Plate. Ladies A Plate. Oh, I'll have to search that one up then. I haven't heard of that. You've been keeping a secret. She has. (laughs) There's a little secret out for everyone that's listening. (laughs) We can all rush out and take a look at that. Hey, thank you so much. It's so gorgeous to have time to talk to you. I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about another time as well, but thanks for coming in today. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Food Family and Friends podcast. It's really a pleasure to be able to share such amazing stories and journeys of our guests with you. If you would like some more recipe ideas, some tips, tricks, a little bit of blogging, then make sure you jump on the foodfamilyfriendspodcast.com website where we'll be sharing lots of information with you. Also, you can have a look at what other podcasts are out and about there in our world of podcasts on World podcasts.com if you are in New Zealand you can also take a look at podcasts.co.nz because there are some other fabulous podcasts thank you once again for listening Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board this wonderful journey of the food family and friends podcast I'll take what's good what's good